Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in 20 minutes, there's new data out that says that people are being harassed all around the country for medical debts that aren't theirs or that they don't owe. I'm going to tell you how to assert your rights in 20 minutes. And in a half hour, have you ever noticed the second an airplane lands, the volume level on the plane goes through the roof because suddenly everybody turns their phone on and they're just yapping at the top of their lungs? Why do people have to talk so loud on a phone? Well, are you going to have to deal with people talking on a phone while you're flying? Not while you're on the ground, but while you're in the air. Let me tell you the latest developments on that in just a half hour. (laughs) This is funny. This has a phone angle. Have you noticed if you go to see a movie or a play or whatever that people are on their cell phones at audience events? It's different at a concert. But at a movie? Okay, so I was at a... What movie was it? I don't go to a lot of movies. But, oh, it was one... I shouldn't even say this. It was one my wife was in. She's an actress. But anyway, we're at the movie and we're watching it and somebody gets a call two rows back from us and starts talking loud on the phone while the movie is going. I got to tell one other thing that happened to my wife. It's funny. So she's she does... Um, you know, every kind of acting and acting up, and she was doing a play. And it was an unusual setting where some of the audience seats were done where it appeared like they were part of sitting in a cafe, but their seats were just there because it was part of the whole setup of how the play worked. And someone who's sitting in one of the cafe seats right in front of her, takes a phone call, the phone rings, and while they're performing, this guy is carrying on his phone conversation. And it was a two-person play. My wife and the other woman in the play just incorporated that into the play. They went off script and just incorporated it. But that's neither here nor there. But I did want to talk about the movie theaters. So... The movie industry is having a tough time getting people to to come watch movies. And then there are people who just love movies, but don't get there as often as they'd like. And I guess last year I told you about an experiment going on in just a couple of cities called Movie Pass, where if you really love movies, you can go to unlimited movies for a monthly subscription. Kind of like a Netflix for going to actual theaters. 
And so now MoviePass has apparently worked, and it's popping up all over the country. And depending on what city you live in, usually pay their 39 a month or 44 a month, 39.95, 44.95 for unlimited movies. For me, it would be a waste because I never go to a movie. Of course, unless my wife's in it. And otherwise, I know this woman who goes to several movies a week. She just loves going to movies. And so for her, Movie Pass is a great deal. For the theater, what's in it for them is if they get people that are real movie lovers, real movie goers, what they'll do is they'll come more often and two out of three of them will hit up the concession stand where the real money is made for the theater. Now, paying for a movie is one thing. What about going for free? Our own producer, Joel, no, told me about GoFobo. Is that how you say it? Yep, that's it. G-O-F-O-B-O dot com. GoFobo, you register with it, and you get to go to premieres of movies for free, premieres of local events for free, and the reason they do it is if they think you'll spread some buzz about something that's just out, you become like cheap advertising. One of the things, if you go to sign up for it, they want to know what social media you're on. Because what they're hoping is that you'll be somewhere and say, hey, I'm at the premiere of blah, blah, blah movie or whatever. And that you spread the word. And then you got to go to the event for free. Diane is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Diane. Hi. Diane, you're buying a piano. I am. Wow. So you already have more talent in your little pinky than I do in my whole body. (laughs) I don't know about that. The only piano I can play is one that's computerized that you press a button and it plays tunes. Well, that's that's fun, too. So uh, are you thinking of buying a new piano or a used one? It's a used one, but it's being sold at a piano store. It's on consignment. Okay. And, you know, as you have discovered or already knew, pianos depreciate very rapidly. Most of them do. do. And buying one used just shows how smart you are. Oh, good. (laughs) How can I be of help with this? Well, um, it's $9,000, and um, I want to either pay no interest or the lowest interest possible. And um, I could finance it through the store at 799 which is lower than my credit union. That's around 13 or 14. My husband used to be able to get 0% interest rate credit cards, but he'd always have to find another one to transfer the balance to. Yeah. And my concern is that if I do that with a piano, what if at the end of that term, I still have more to pay on the piano and I can't find a zero interest credit rate and I have to get a higher interest rate than I would have started with at the piano store? Well, at 8%, which is what they're offering at the store financing. You know, I'm not a big fan of store financing, but this would be a case that would be absolutely an exception. Oh. If they'll write the loan at 8% flat rate, 
and that is the fixed interest rate for the balance of the loan? Uh-huh. I'd say that's a deal. Oh, well, that's good to know. The, the alternatives, doing the, the hopscotch with the 0%, that's just more work than you need to be up to. Because yeah. is, let's say you get 0% for 12 months, which is the common period of time if you get that. Mm-hmm. After those 12 months, the rate may go to more than double what your 8% is. How many years do you think it'll take you to pay off the piano? Well, there, the term would be five years, and I might be able to, to pay it off a little bit sooner than that, but probably not too much sooner. Okay. Well, then I think the 8%, that makes it even more compelling to just do that deal. Okay. How do you know that this particular piano at 9000 is a deal? I looked at the piano store. I've talked to people about how much um, pianos should cost. I have a, a piano instructor who knows all about pianos. He used to be a concert pianist. He's been teaching for years and years, and he went and looked at it. Oh, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I, was, going, okay. I was going to ask you to have that person go and, and play the piano and see what they thought. Yeah, um, he thought it was an excellent piano. Then go for it. Okay. And you bring beautiful music into this world. I will, and it'll all be because of Clark Howard. No. <laughs> Remember again, I have no talent. You're the one with the talent. Matthew's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Matthew. Hello. How are you? Great. So you a, you have a question about a really stinky subject. <laughs> yes. We purchased a home last summer. We received plenty of mortgage insurance letters and you know opportunities, but we politely shred those. This last one about a month ago we received is for water and sewer protection. The letter gives us options for insurance, but the main option is $120 a year. Gives us up to $18,000 in coverage. Have you heard about this? Oh, uh, yes, I have. I have known about these offers for years. These are unholy alliances, usually by a local government or water district, that enters into a deal with one of these marketing companies. And they offer you these plans sometimes on on joint letterhead from a city or sewer authority or whatever, and they tout this as just being the greatest thing ever, but it's really to have money flow to the government at your expense. It's almost like a hidden tax. And so the private operator who works out the joint marketing thing with your community they're making a lot of money on this, and your local government is making a lot of money on this. So it is true what they say, that if you have a sewer backup, problem with the water line, it's nasty and can be expensive for you. It's also true that the possibility of it happening is very, very remote. So... It's coverage that I don't recommend because you're paying an enormous amount for the possible value you'd get if something went wrong. But can I tell you an alternative? Sure. I'm ready. With your own homeowner's insurance, you may be able to add an additional coverage position uh, thing they may call a rider that will cover 
this sort of thing exactly, but almost always at a fraction of the cost as a little add-on to your homeowner's policy versus what you'd be paying your local city or their marketing partner for this kind of coverage. Okay, I'll check into it. That sounds great. And I hope you love your home. Yes, we do. Thank you. Have a great day. And, Joel, instead of taking a call right now, let's take a couple of Ask Clarks. All right, Clark. Ted wrote, and he said, what's the best way to consolidate and pay off my credit cards? Does it help for me to make smaller payments every week or a bigger one once a month? What's your take? It's really good with your credit cards if you can make frequent payments because credit card interest is figured on average daily balance. If you're in a position to send payment after payment to your credit card company instead of once a month, you will have a significant long-term benefit in how quickly you can pay off an outstanding balance. There's a system that originally I heard from a financial guy named Mark Eisenson. I call it the Eisenson Method. We have it on ClarkHoward.com, where you get out of credit card debt in approximately one-fourth the time you would otherwise by making your payments every two weeks instead of once a month to the credit card company, it has become something that the credit card companies hate so much that some credit card companies ban you making more than one payment a month, believe it or not, to keep you from getting out of debt quicker. Fortunately, that is a rare thing, but a really great benefit for you to do. Angelita wrote in, Clark said, is there a good website for free trading of stocks and bonds? There is a, I don't know if they're great or not, it's an app, and I've had no feedback from anyone who's using it to tell me yay or nay, but it's called Robinhood. But you do trading on your phone for free instead of using a computer. If you want to ask me and ask Clark, go to ClarkHoward.com and post it. Today's Clark Rageous moment is so important to your reputation and your wallet It involves debt collectors trying to collect medical debts. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. A deep dive analysis by the Public Interest Research Group found that it is very common for you to be hassled by a debt collector to pay a medical debt that you do not owe. Often, it's not even your debt. It's somebody else of a name same or similar to yours. According to the data collected that was analyzed by Public Interest Research Group, one in four people were being hassled about a debt they had already paid and could document they had paid. And often, people were told they owed for a debt that they did owe But the amount that they were being hassled for was completely different than what they did owe. I want you to know that this is an industry that can be horrific in how abusive they are. And in fact, a small number of collection agencies involved with medical debt collection account for a huge percent of complaints filed with federal regulators. When somebody contacts you saying you owe a debt, From when they first contact you, they have to send you a notice in writing about that debt within five days. If it's not your debt, it's not something you owe, 
the amount's wrong, whatever it is, you write back to them and dispute it. And there are specific rules and rights you have that must be disclosed on that written notice you receive. You also have the right to tell the debt collector never to contact you again. And I'll tell you something. If a debt collector is abusive with you on a phone call, even if your state does not allow recording without permission to the other party, record that call anyway. The abusive, dishonest, dirty collectors need to be exposed and never allow a debt collector ever to intimidate you into paying a debt that you don't owe. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns, dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at True Car, they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by True Car. It's an actual VIN-based price from a True Car certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. True Car certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the True Car certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You want the opposite of ripoffs? How about deals? ClarkDeals.com. Clark.com is our website. Do you know that in certain parts of the world now, it is legal, accepted, and done where people talk on a phone mid-flight when you're flying somewhere. I think that is a rotten idea. And it had been the decision of the federal government to allow each airline to decide if it would allow you to engage in calls on your flight, be a profit center for an airline because they would mark up the cost per minute, And now the FCC has decided you're not going to be able to do that. And I think that's great. I think the ability now that exists to text from a flight on most airlines at what's a relatively low cost per flight is perfect and enough, and you avoid the nuisance of people screaming into their phones on a flight because... All you got to do, I mentioned this half hour ago, you just got to wait till a plane lands and then listen to how loud that plane suddenly becomes from everybody yakking on their phone. And do you know that if you're a T-Mobile customer, 
that on most flights now that have Wi-Fi, I think pretty much everybody but on Southwest Airlines, you're able to text for free and because you're a T-Mobile customer, you get a certain amount of time, I think it's an hour of Wi-Fi time on the flight to do whatever you want over Wi-Fi. And that is fantastic. That's an extraordinary opportunity for you. And it's, it's not too far in the future that some airline, for competitive reasons, with the ability to offer Wi-Fi on planes getting so much cheaper, that someone's going to offer you free Wi-Fi. Southwest, the one I mentioned just a minute ago that doesn't do the deal with T-Mobile, Southwest gives its elite-level flyers in its highest elite category free Wi-Fi on every flight all year long. So if if it's about staying in touch with people, being able to do so with messaging and email and all that, that is plenty. But I do not need to hear your phone conversation. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. How are you, sir? Great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I heard you uh, a couple of months ago, and my question is about you know, our culture. The American dream is getting your own home, putting a small down payment on it, paying it off over 30 years. My question is, is it really that great of a deal to do that, as the American dream would put it, or to rent? For all that time, in other words, if I is there has there been an analysis done that if I took all my deductions on my tax returns over thirty years and looked at the benefit I received from those deductions, would that actually be favorable as opposed to renting? I wouldn't look at the deductions because more than half of taxpayers get no mortgage interest deduction; they don't ca- pass the standard deduction. Okay, what I would look at is that the beauty of you buying a home is if you're going to stay a long time, and I usually use the trigger at seven years. If you're going to stay seven years or longer, it is a great inflation hedge. Even though we essentially have no inflation these days, that's not going to be forever. And at some point, inflation will become your enemy if you're a renter, and rents will rise over time. You know, if you look back over enough time, I was once living in a suburb of Washington, D.C., and my rent on a two-bedroom apartment was $249 a month. Today in Washington, $249 a month did not pay. My brother lives now near, where my oldest brother lives near where I used to. That didn't even pay to park his car per month. Right. In his apartment. It was 350 a month to park the car. And so if you're looking at a place with the way you drew it, with the 30-year mortgage and all that, looking at a place that would be your home that you would stay in for a long, long time, the longer you want to stay, the more it becomes compelling to own instead of rent. Okay. How long do you tend to stay in a place, or how long do you think you would stay in place where you're trying to make that rent-buy decision right now. I'm just looking 
back. I'm 56 right now, and I've been in, in a home since I was 29. Same home? No, oh. second home, but the second home, 17 years. And so when I heard you a couple of months ago saying, talking about the emotional connection to owning a home and you know having it a place for your, uh, kids growing up and things of that sort, that type of value, uh, I just started wondering, is it really the, in, the investment that we all think it is? Uh, With a home ownership cycle that's short, it is just an emotional thing and not a financial. Okay. But as those years stretch, the emotional becomes, it may still be present, but it's not the significant factor. It does become the financial. 17 years ago, what what did you pay for a home? Well, in this case, it was right around 300 And what's that home worth today, 17 years uh, later, having been through boom and bust more. and... It's it's probably around between three forty and three fifty. So in your case, seventeen years you didn't get anywhere, and I mean, truthfully, and I can understand why you're asking the question the way you are. Right. But that is an unusual pattern, where because we have been through a boom, a bust, and now depending on where you are, some level of recovery, and that you're almost where you were. 17 years ago, that would be not the normal number. Okay. And, and then last question, if you wouldn't mind, if you were talking to your kids, would you even allow them to consider a 30-year mortgage, or would you just automatically say, uh, I would support a 10- to 15-year mortgage? What advice would you give them? Well, I'm obsessed with the 15-year loan, because right now the terms on the 15-year loans are the best they've ever been and the most extreme in terms of the gap they are from a 30-year loan. Okay. So I don't, I don't look at it as an automatic, hey, everybody should always do a 15-year loan. But right now, there's very, very compelling reasons that if somebody can afford the payment to do a 15-year loan instead of a 30. Okay. Sure. So it's not always true. But right now, it is absolutely true that it would be to anyone's advantage, my kids, anybody, to do a 15-year finance. Sally's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sally. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. You have a question that is something that I love. You're looking for an alternative way to save a lot of money on business phone service. Yes, I have a small real estate company, and we it is probably once a month we use an outgoing uh, landline. It's all incoming, and I've seen some services come up that would save me a lot of money um, offering virtual services and kind of scares me to do that. So I just would like your opinion. Well, the I don't know who you're looking at. The longest that somebody's been in that business is what they call virtual PBXs is Ring Central is the one that I know has been around the longest. One that's been very heavily promoting itself lately. I don't know if you've heard of them as Grasshopper. Yes, that's the biggest one I've seen all the ads for. All right, and there are a, a number of others. The idea is that you can tie together a bunch of people virtually where people call a central phone number, And then from that number, it'll say, 
for this person dial 101, for this person dial 102, like any other phone tree, except what it then does is it essentially call forwards to your cell phone. And the, the calls follow you from the individual. But that's just the most basic of what these things do. And they, they work. Uh, I have never had a complaint about any of these, quote-unquote, virtual PBXs. They seem to do exactly what they promised to do. Oh, great. Great. Well, that saved me about $100 a month. And when you're a small business owner, that $100 helps a lot. Absolutely. Now, having said that, there are so many people now in this space. Some of them are going to fail. Some of them are going to merge with stronger players. And you do always stand the danger, and this is the hard part with any of this stuff, that if they were just one day to close their doors, which I doubt would happen with these because there is a marketplace for them, but if the worst happened, suddenly that number all your customers have, who knows where what would happen to it and where it would ring and all that. I just want to put that out there that that would be the most extreme case sure and and, in real estate that's our lifeline that would be that would be the kiss of death for you so what i would recommend because that could be possible is that business cards and digital communication with people always have two numbers The, the individual number is direct and then the overall number that would be this virtual number sure okay so that you people would still have Second way to reach you if that ring suddenly rang dead. Okay. All right. Well, then I think I will move along and and do that. All right. And I hope that it works brilliantly for you because the underlying technology is so refined now on these things. Susan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Susan. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Susan. How can I serve you? Well, I heard you mention that you use a bidding website to get your hotel rooms, and I would like to know how you do this safely when you're on the road. Priceline just saves me so much money. The app is a safe environment for you to use for booking. Okay, that's what I wondered. And when you go to the app, you'll see three things. You'll see where they have like a traditional hotel booking site with the hotel names and the price is given there will be the bidding app where you can click and you can put in bids and then the third section is where you can just buy a a room right there copying hotwire where you don't know the hotel they'll show you the star level so it is completely safe to use the app for priceline to use the app for hotwire but i'll tell you something odd it's yes. really good if you go to Hotwire on the computer or go to uh-huh. Priceline on the computer and at the same time go to each of their apps on the phone. Yes. Because for some reason, the prices vary between the really? app and the computer a lot of times. I see. And it's not even consistent, I've discovered, which will be cheaper. It seems to vary over time. Well, this is really good to know. And I have a hotel buying guide on clarkhoward.com that talks you through the strategies about how to do bids, how to do it step by step. Um, I was recently doing a bid in Los Angeles, and there's a a strategy I used. I got my hotel on the seventh bid, 
And, uh, you know, the rules say you're only supposed to be able to bid once every 24 hours. But there is a trick to the trade where you can do multiple bids. Oh, what is the trick? Well, that I explained that step by step on my guide. So just oh, read okay. it and it'll talk you through it. Yes. But uh, when I was booking in Los Angeles, I got a room for, I got a four star for $81. My gosh, that's incredible. So, and the last time, Krista, when we went to New York, what did we pay for our rooms? We did that. Was that, I forgot if that was Priceline or I Hot think it was 84, 86. 86. Oh. Was, we had a nice four star. So, I can't believe you don't remember that. You remember every penny you ever spent I've on I've been anything. traveling too much lately. I know it was in the 80s. I just don't remember the exact price. So, Susan, go look at the guide, and you can save so much money. It takes time, and there's a learning curve to it. But once you know the drill, you probably will never go back to booking hotels the traditional way. Joey is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joey. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Clark. Joey, you want to know where every dollar of yours is vanishing into thin air, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Do you have that feeling that money just kind of evaporates in your life? It it, it does every day. Every every time I go to my checking account, I'm like, where did that money go? (laughs) Now, is it an aggravation or is it a serious problem for you? More of an aggravation. I've tried to doing budgets in uh, in the past, and they never really work out. And I was hoping that there was like an app or something out there that I could keep track of money with me at all times instead of having to come home and write it all down and, and things like that. Well, one that has stood the test of time is Mint. That is both a desktop kind of laptop kind of thing and also an app for your phone. There have been so many others that have come and gone over the last, oh, maybe 15 years. But Mint.com, again, available as both a .com and as an app, has been very successful. M-I-N-T. Okay. And it will track real time. You have to give it access to your sign-ins, which freaks Mm -hmm. a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. But that's how they're able to track every penny you spend and it'll show you where your money's actually going. It'll pie chart it for you and show you where your money's vanishing. Okay. And real time will allow you to track your spending. Well, hopefully I can save some money this way. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I find nothing saves people more money than carrying around cash. Okay. Versus using plastic. That if you have a certain amount of cash and you see it thinning out mm-hmm. that it changes your behavior for for most people that you're right, uh, less likely to spend money if you reach in and you see hey i don't have much left in there <laughs> where right. you don't have that sense at all with a credit card or debit card but okay. if if you don't have an emergency kind of situation it's just like I want to get a handle on this. Start with Mint and see if it does the job for you and you get more control. Okay. And if it doesn't do enough for you, then think about going back to cold, hard cash. Okay. Okay? That sounds great. Thank you very much. All right. You have a great day. You too. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. 
When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcastone.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to Restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers, and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please, go to podcastone.study. And thank you. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me that will help you keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. You want deals? Check out ClarkDeals.com. Something else I want you to check out at Clark.com, it's Clark Stinks. It is a message board where you give me feedback on how I've come up short for you. I've disappointed you. I've let you down. I've given bad advice, etc. And you post what you want to at Clark Stinks. Others can read your post. They can add to it, comment on it, disagree with it. And this is an area that's so helpful for me to see how you feel I'm tone deaf or failing to serve you. Our executive producer, Krista, that's not your title anymore. No, our Kim's producer, the executive Krista, producer. Our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and looks for highlights to share with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. What's right. up first, Krista? We are, there are so many today. I'm going to start with this. Clark, your recent opinion on taxes gave me pause. You implied that we should pay more in taxes to overcome the various troubles we face as a country. How can we expect improvement without first addressing government accountability and efficiency? Throwing money at the problem without addressing the root cause can only cause more problems. Surely I misunderstood your justification for paying more in taxes? Though we have differing political views, I do enjoy your occasional opinions throughout the show. Thanks for watching out for us all. Well, thank you for that post. And I think you did not quite understand what I said. I was talking about how 50% of the federal budget 
is for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And we're not collecting enough tax for the level of benefits we're paying out for those three things. The rest of the federal budget uh, is an area that is partially discretionary. The military, I don't look at as discretionary. That's the next biggest expense. That's 15% of the federal budget, 15 cents of every dollar. The point I was making is that we need to have a mature adult conversation about Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. And if we want those levels of benefits from the federal government, we need to be willing to pay for them, or we need to accept lesser benefits in order to stay within the tax revenue we have now. It was not at all saying, let's raise taxes. Clark, I love your show, but on the recent Ask Clark question about Ting Wireless, you blew it. Ting does not require you to estimate ahead of time how much voice text data you are going to use. You simply pay for what you do use. What a concept. By using Google Voice combined with Ting, my family with four devices has a total bill of about $60 a month. Google Voice treats text messages as data, so we have virtually no text messages charged for our Ting Ting account. Ting actually encourages this. When you're on Wi-Fi, you can use Google Voice or Hangouts to place and receive free phone calls at good quality. Ting has service on either CDMA or GSM networks. We buy most of our phones reconditioned, around $100 for the high-end phone of a year or two ago, good for another two or three years at least, and our total cost is a fraction of what most people pay. Clark, give Ting another look. It is a different type of provider. Thanks for all you do, Roger. Roger, I appreciate that. And you are not the only person I've heard from who is very enthusiastic about Ting. The web address, Ting, T-I-N-G, dot com. And if you're looking for an ultra-low-cost wireless solution, Ting may be an option you should be considering. But my favorite remains republicwireless.com. And we have the whole guide to cell phone plans that we update constantly at Clark.com. I have heard Clark say many times that you can open a Vanguard account online in 10 minutes or less. Bull. I did not find that to be true. I have my credit frozen, so I could not open up a Vanguard, an account with Vanguard online. Instead, I had to fill out an application online, call Vanguard, download some forms, print them, and take them to the bank, have an officer there provide a letter for Vanguard on their stationery, and include a current account statement. I elected not to waste my time. Instead, I did nothing. So this is one of those unintended consequences of my obsession with credit freeze. This is not a Vanguard issue. This is true with most any financial house where they require an ability to verify your identity. And if your credit is frozen and you don't thaw it when you apply for an account at a bank or brokerage house, in most cases, they'll just tell you to get lost. They won't even give you an alternative procedure The best thing is to temporarily thaw your credit when you're establishing a new bank or brokerage account. This is all involved with issues with money laundering. Not pay your dead spouse's credit card bill? Clark, you are aiding and abetting a nation of deadbeats. If I charge something on my credit card, I have given my word that I will pay for what I bought. I would be aghast if I thought my spouse would leave the credit card company holding the bag for what I owe. Why don't you encourage people to have the integrity to pay their debts? An estate is expected to settle debts. I love your show, but I hate it when you tell people how to get out of paying what they owe. 
Thank you for that, because there's a few things. One, in community property states, a spouse is generally required to pay the debts of a deceased uh, spouse. In most states, they are not community property states. And the reality is, with many modern couples, couples don't discuss their debts with the other person in the relationship or marriage. Uh, We're talking about marriages here. And so it's possible that somebody dies, and it's only then that the spouse finds out that they had all those ongoing credit card debts. So in a case where a couple keeps their finances separate, which is more and more the case today, it would be something that would only be voluntary on your part if you wanted to pay those debts on behalf of your deceased spouse. And obviously there's an area where you feel that someone is abusing the system, but if a couple truly keeps their finances separate, I don't see it as an abuse. On the happier side of marriage, you took a call about wedding insurance, and there are two Clark stinks about this. Here's the first one. Clark advised a guy who was getting married to spend the few hundred dollars to buy reception insurance because his in-laws were pressuring him. Unless the in-laws have a financial interest in the cost of the reception, in which case they should buy the insurance, it is none of their business. The caller needs to stand up to the in-laws and politely tell them, I'll take the risk. Otherwise, they will meddle for the rest of his life. He needs to politely but firmly ask them to butt out. You never pay blackmailers because they will always come back looking for more. Meddling in-laws will always find something to complain about, so he should stand up from day one, not capitulate. So that sounds more like in-laws stink than I stink. Well, in like your advice, I guess. Yeah. And here's the other Mr. Howard. Oh, no. My fiance and I were excited to get your thoughts on wedding insurance because we are elbow deep in wedding planning. But your response to the caller left us feeling we were elbow deep in something else. Your only recommendation was to appease the in-laws and you never weighed the actual merits of wedding insurance. This would be very helpful for myself and your other soon-to-be-married listeners. Thanks for all that you do for the consumer and your invite is in the mail, Brian. Thank you, Brian. So, Brian, here's the scoop. So, weddings are a virtually unique thing in, uh, let's call it party planning, where deposits are often non-refundable. Money you pay past deposits usually is non-refundable. And unfortunately, things happen through the engagement process And the stat that I've heard is one in three engagements don't make it to the altar. So it is a case where considering buying insurance is a valid thought. Now, the insurance should be purchased because the money you would lose is money you can't afford to lose. That's the purpose of insurance. And so if there would be financial commitments involved with planning your wedding, that would be such that if you lost that money, it would be a terrible, terrible burden on you, that's when you'd buy the insurance. Clark said that the newest recommendations are for PSA testing for all men from 55 to 69. This is not correct. Clark, you need to actually go and look up the latest USPSTF draft recommendations. They state that the USPSTF STF recommends that clinicians inform men, inform them ages 55 to 69 about the potential benefits and harms of prostate 
of PSA-based screening for prostate cancer. The decision about whether to be screened for prostate cancer should be an individual one. They want each man to decide for himself whether to get PSA screening or not. Since PSA testing can lead to harmful procedures being done, as you did mention, my decision is still not to do it. Maybe that prostate foundation you were a part of misrepresented the information to you for their own reasons. No, I may have I may have done a poor job explaining, and it is just as the Post says, that men who are 70 and above, it is the recommendation, the latest recommendation from the scientific panel that you do not be screened for prostate cancer. Once you've reached your 70th birthday, that there's uh, the, the detriment of being tested and then whatever procedures would follow way outweighs the benefits of what you would find out. From age 55 to 69, it was put as something that you would talk with your doctor about and make a decision together about whether or not you would have a PSA test. Following Clarkson- Oh, and by the way, for people younger, the recommendation was that if you have a, a family history of prostate cancer that's a fatal prostate cancer, that you may well want to have a PSA test at a younger age, younger than 55. Following Clark's advice, we bought an antenna and a new TV that was relatively inexpensive. Clark said it did not matter which brand. Oh, no. As it turns out, Vizio TVs have no tuner capability, and therefore we cannot use our TV without buying cable or using some apps. We cannot use the antenna. We cannot afford a new TV again or to pay for cable. So there, I'm very sorry about that. There is a very inexpensive digital tuner you can buy to hook up to any TV, they tend to cost, I think, around $20, $15. And you buy that digital tuner, you plug it into one of the ports on your Vizio, and you'll be able to use the over-the-air antenna flawlessly. Dear Clark, you don't stink, but you tend to think very traditionally and not outside the box. You had a caller who needed to shred 300 pounds of personal papers, but didn't have a suitable size shredder. You didn't ask him if he had a working fireplace. A decent sized home fireplace can accommodate 10 to 15 pounds of papers at a time. You can keep feeding the flame five pound stacks until his papers are reduced to ashes. That's a brilliant idea. All right. And one more quick Razor burn. Can we just stop with all the razor advice? I still haven't used up my $2 pack of disposable razors since I started listening to your show years ago. Somehow I'm not st- I'm still not rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you missed maybe earlier this week is we did talk about razors yet again because there was a cult following. There is a cult following for a 50-cent razor, and so what you missed is we all tested as a staff, except for Krista, who never did her test, wasted my money. Dollar Tree. I'm still going to test it, but I know it's too late to get in on the survey. And we have the test results at Clark.com, but you can make a small pack of razors last for years simply by drying your razor after every use. I want to hear from you. Go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can do a better job serving you. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hello, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. You have a question about your daughter. 
Yes, sir. My daughter recently started college this year, and to help pay for expenses, she started working part-time as well. So she's full-time college, part-time working at a fast food restaurant. And my question is, that, you know, she has to take out uh, federal loans and pay the interest on those. Uh, with the money she earns, should she pay more of the student loans? It's kind of two questions. Should she pay more of the student loans off or kind of save that till the end of college and then pay if she's saved up? And the second part of the question is, while she's in college and working part-time, should she consider starting a targeted IRA and have 10% of her pay go into that? Wow. Okay. What an interesting question because she could do a, a target retirement fund, and in her case, doing a Roth would be better than a traditional IRA. Yes. And then the question comes up, is she legally your dependent still? Are you providing yes. half? Or, okay. So that leaves out possibility of the government funding part of her IRA. Is, did you know there's a crazy obscure program that if you're at the lower end of the income scale, the government will pay half of your IRA money. Wow. But you have to be uh, you have to not be someone's dependent, so she wouldn't be eligible for that. So the issue is she's paying how much interest rate for the student loans? Uh, I think it's around four point five percent. I would have to check to be exact. But, uh, so the sense. money, if she saves the money, she's going to earn a fraction of 1%, or at most 1%. Right. So it would be to her advantage, as long as she leaves herself a little cushion for unexpected expenses, to reduce the amount of borrowing she does so that she wouldn't be in a position where she's paying a big spread in interest rate from what she can earn on what she saves versus what she's paying to borrow. All right. Now, there is an exception to that. Is she going to run out of borrowing cap before she finishes? I, I don't think so. I think she should complete in the four years. All right. So if she's okay in terms of not running up against the cap on how much she can borrow, then I think reducing how much she borrows, taking the current income would be great. She sounds like a really industrious daughter. Things should go great for her. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show. It's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you have questions for me, Clark.com slash ask. Here's a question for you. Do you know that last year was the first year in 50 that grocery prices went down. And they went down significantly overall. When you go shopping week by week, you probably don't notice it. But let me tell you, the people that sell you groceries notice it. And so we are in 
a golden era for you as a customer buying groceries. The way people buy them, changing so much. Already one in five Americans buying groceries online, either for store pickup or having them delivered. And the delivery efforts are coming from every possible direction. Amazon, which in some parts of the country now offers delivery of groceries, is now going to set up grocery pickup locations, seeing the enormous success Walmart is having with its grocery pickup. If you're not familiar, Walmart in much of the country, and they're rolling it out to where it'll be pretty much universal, you can go online, walmart.com, place a grocery order, if you're in an eligible service area for this, you set a a pickup window time, and then you show up at a pickup window during that time, and in theory, somebody walks out with your groceries, well-selected, with produce that isn't awful, (laughs) that's people's biggest beef, With any grocery delivery is what's the produce like. But obviously people are happy with it because it's growing and growing and growing. Kroger is running an experiment with Uber where Uber delivers your groceries to your home. Costco, starting first in Tampa, Florida, and when they work the bugs out, rapidly expanding this year, doing delivery of groceries within four miles of a store. So if you travel to Costco from 10 miles away, like our producer Joel, you're out of luck. But if you live like I do within four miles of a Costco, you know, that's a requirement when we look for a home. It has to be within four miles of Costco. Then you're eligible as this expands for the free delivery. And it's going to be every possible scenario. I mean, think about who would have thought Amazon would be opening pickup centers. But again, Walmart paved the way for that with the enormous success with pickup. And a lot of groceries will do that, where the grocer will have a pickup window where you'll just drive up and get your stuff. And then others will want the delivery, and you'll have that. So all this is happening in the midst of falling prices. The biggest loser with the falling prices I talked about weeks ago has been Whole Foods. Whole Foods is definitely going through a midlife crisis and has not yet figured out what their future pattern for success will look like because so many others have gotten into the organics and fresh And it's made it much tougher for them to stand out. Now being outsold in organic, supposedly, by Costco. So, know this. If you hate having to go aisle by aisle and find stuff, if you hate the checkout experience in the supermarket, somebody near you is offering you an alternative. And it's only going to get better. Thomas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. You have a question about your future. 
Yes, sir. I'm just wanting to know what's the best way to save or what what should I put my money into? I make about 30000 a year, and I'm looking to just have any gains, I guess you could say. So the money you're going to save, and I'm always excited when I talk to someone who makes in your general pay range that you're focusing on saving money because – for people who make 30000 a year, the most recent survey I saw found that only one in four were saving a substantial amount of money each year. So I'm really glad you're thinking about that. The money that you would save, what would you use it for, Thomas? Like, is this for something you hope to use in a couple of years, or is this for well, a specific goal, like buying a house, or what would it be for? It would be for buying a house, for later on down the road, just just so I'm living comfortably. So, because if you're looking to save money, as an example, for down payment on a house, you got to play that one pretty dull. Because you, okay. you can't truly invest, because in the short term, you always stand a chance you could lose money investing, that that chance becomes less and less the longer you look in the future. Now, there is a strategy I've recommended for somebody saving for a house, but give me a sense, how far in the future do you think you'd want to buy a home? It would probably be within five to ten years. Five to ten. All right. So the strategy I've recommended would work for you. Have you ever heard me talk about something called a Roth IRA? Yes, sir. So if you were to open a Roth and you put money in it, if you leave that money alone and you let it grow over the years and you leave it be all the way till you hit retirement age, you spend that money tax-free. On the other hand, let's say you put money in there, and whatever amount you're comfortable with, you can put up any amount up to $5,500 a year, but obviously that's a bridge too far at what you're earning, but you could you could maybe put $100 a month into one. I don't know if okay. you could... Could you hang with I, that? I, I do have one. I, I put about... I get paid twice a month, and I usually put $100 each paycheck. So you do not. That's fantastic. Yes, sir. No, that's not, that's not good. That's way beyond great. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. You're, you should be proud of that. Yes, sir. Thank okay. So you're doing the Roth. That's where I would put the money that you're also intending maybe for a down payment on a house. Because here's the beauty with the Roth. So you keep putting money into it month after month. And let's say there's money you put in there that really you hope to use for a down payment. The rules allow you at any time to pull out money you've contributed, that $100 each pay period. You can't take out your earnings, but you can take out your contributions. Tax and penalty-free. So that's my favorite place for you to stash cash both for far into the future and for the idea of owning a home in five to ten years. Okay. So if you want to uh, you want to keep doing the 100 bucks a pay period or if you have extra cash that you are looking to put aside. So- I, I do have extra cash. I, I generally also put in, I have a savings account with a bigger bank that I usually put in about, Two hundred to three hundred dollars, as well. In. So, what do you do? You live on twelve dollars a month or something? <laughs> I 
I generally have about I use one paycheck to pay my bills, and then I use the other one that I'll I just use to save, and I generally leave myself about three hundred dollars. Now that's called being a maximum saver, a max saver, and that will change your future because you're living on substantially less than what you make, and at the same time, you're slapping money aside in savings. I would stop doing the money into the bank savings account until you can put 5500 a year in that Roth. Okay. First 5500 a year you save goes into the Roth. I underestimated your determination to save, and I am really, really excited and proud of what you're doing. Uh, thank you. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hi, Clark. How are you? Good, thank you. You're shopping for a home or just a refi? Uh, no, I'm shopping for a home. Great. How can I be of service to you? I'm, I'm currently renting the house that I'm uh, thinking about buying, and uh, so it's not listed. Uh, and I've been given, I'm having the opportunity to purchase a home. My wife and my kids, we like the house. Uh, so, of course, I'm trying to keep realtor fees out of it uh, and, and do it as cheap as possible. Uh and one of the things I'm trying to do is figure out, you know, how to get my, my financing in order for it. And, you know, I, of course, I, I hear on, you know, advertising and things like that, different places to go to try to look for that loan. And uh, but one of the things that really struck me uh, kind of through caution is, you know, you go to one of these, on the website to try to get financing for a home. And, of course, they want, they want you to provide your social security number. And uh, I hear you all the time talk about that, you know, don't need to do that unless absolutely have to. So that kind of just led me to this, this question. I went on your website and tried to find, see what I could so, find. So, Jason, Everybody guess what? This is a case where you do have to give your Social Security number, and it's legit. Okay. Because when you're shopping for a mortgage, they've got to pull credit on you, and the only way they can pull credit on you is with your Social Security number. Okay. So if you're dealing with a legit lender, there's always a risk of, you know, one of those data hacks or whatever, but that could happen anywhere, even walking in somewhere and they take an application from you. There could be a data hack. So it's one of those things that's a reasonable risk when you're applying for a mortgage to give your social security number and let them run based on your credit what kind of loan product they'll offer you. How many lenders are you talking to? Uh, I haven't yet. I, I kind of put the brakes on and went to your website and kind of... All right, so... Step, getting some information from you. <laughs> so, Jason, if you're going to get a mortgage, you, you're already in the property, so I would love for you to go to a local bank where you live, go to a credit union where you live, And something I don't normally recommend when somebody is buying a home but would work in your case because you're already occupying the property is to try an online lender or two. Okay. And there's one other thing I want you to do, and that is check with a mortgage banker, sometimes referred to as a mortgage broker or mortgage banker. They're different, but people refer to them the same. And that's generally somebody who can get you multiple quotes. So if you try, do you have a local bank you do business with now? 
do, but it's a it's a large chain. It's not oh, a, forget uh, them. Forget them. Don't yeah. waste your time. Do you have a credit union you're a member of? Uh, not here. We've recently just moved uh, here to the state. All right. So, state as well, so, so if you if you um, do a mortgage broker, mortgage banker, and have them shop multiple lenders for you, try a couple of online lenders. That should get it done for you. Okay. Can and I the rates are great right now. Uh, sure. Just out of curiosity, because of the rates being so great, I'm actually rushing into buying a home right now because I was wanting to save up more of a down payment. Uh, but with rates being so low, I feel like that it's maybe okay to go ahead and take advantage of that. And I feel like I would kind of recoup that money in the long run. Do you, you kind of... Yeah, the longer you stay, the more that works. You know, with today's low mortgage rates... You only really get the true advantage of them if you stay in that house a long, long time or convert it into a rental property when you have to leave. Okay. Because okay. the rates are great, but also home values in a lot of places are a little pumped up from that. And so you really only score the long-term advantage if you stay a long, long time. Nancy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Nancy? Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Clark. So you're calling about a job possibility, is that right? Right. What's the story? Well, I'm a single mom, and I've just been applying online at uh, different companies for leads. One day I opened up my email, and there was this offer for a job, and it sounded very legitimate. The, the, the English they used and the writing was well done, and... They said that uh, it was a pretty decent money. It wasn't extraordinary, but it was pretty good for a work from home. So I asked them some questions, and they came back, and they answered my questions, and they sent me the paperwork attached to fill out. But I thought it was kind of unusual in the last attachment that they wanted all of my banking account information. Well, that always makes me stand up and pay attention, but right. not automatically would make something you should stay away from. What kind of right. thing would you be doing? They deal with getting people their tax returns. I think they are people that are internationally located. And so I guess it's hard for them to get their refunds from the United States. I don't know. And my job would be to connect with these people, get their information, and then the refund would be processed, and this company would then send, deposit that money into my bank account, whereupon I would then deliver that money to the client, wherever they are in internationally, I guess, mail it or I don't know. How. And then they would pay you for your trouble of, of being the kind one who receives the refund and then reunites that refund with the recipient. Exactly. So I understood they'd need the banking information to directly deposit my check, a paycheck. But I didn't feel comfortable giving them the information, and I um, I thought, well, I could just use PayPal, maybe, and I could save. No, let me tell you what's going on here. This is something that could land you in jail for a long time. Ugh. Have you agreed to do any of this yet? Nothing. Okay. Let me tell you, somebody's trying to turn you into what's known as a mule. Okay. And what happens if you become a mule is there's almost certainly some kind of tax fraud going on. Could be tax, as soon as tax ID theft or fraud. 
and they're filing false tax returns, having the refund come to you, you then send the money to the perpetrators. And then when eventually when law enforcement comes looking, you've laid a perfect trail for them to come straight to you and you would be a co-conspirator in helping to steal money from the U.S. Treasury. Uh. And you could go to jail for a long, long time. There's no way the backstory you were told was in any way legit. Okay, good to know. I will not do it. I'll get rid of it right now. It's one thing to, to be short a little cash. It's another thing to be getting three squares in your housing in a jail cell. So. Exactly. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the this, very first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.